Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. Hey Ben, it's Eric. Hey Eric, it's Ben. Ben, how long have you been following NASCAR? A lifetime. Me too. How fitting then that we're the hosts of the A Lifetime in NASCAR podcast. A Lifetime in NASCAR highlights NASCAR's illustrious history with analysis and anecdotes from myself, Eric Estep, and NASCAR historian Ben White. We're going to discuss with you some contemporary NASCAR topics and everything we've heard through the years. You'll learn about where the sport has been, where it will go, and the inside scoop on some of the craziest stories you'll ever hear. And welcome everyone to episode 23 of the A Lifetime in NASCAR podcast. My name is Eric Estep. I'm filling in once again for our usual host, Aaron Burns, who is uh, busy at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend, is uh, busy on the ground over there even the week after. But I am joined as always by my buddy Ben White. Ben, how are you doing this week? It's great to see you. It's good to see you also, Eric. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, just uh, it's been a busy week even though i've been away from the racetrack uh, just a lot going on in the nascar world i guess but yeah this this week it is episode 23 uh, we are going stepping a few numbers ahead today uh, you know being the uh, sad anniversary of the death of davy allison i guess we're calling it uh, episode 23-28 this time mm. you know this is the date july 13th uh, 2021 uh, 28 years ago, we lost Davey, and uh, yeah. it's been a sad day, but, you know, we've had a lot of good memories of Davey, and I have a lot of personal personal memories of him. You know, we met many, many years ago in the mid-'80s. I think 1980, late 86 is the first time I met him, and anyway, we've just had a lot of, a lot of memories flowing today of Davey, and uh, I think that's where we want to go with the show today, just talking about some good things about Davey and, you know, just, just some fun times. Good times. Absolutely. I know you have a very close uh, relationship with the Alice Allisons, and we're great friends with Davey. So we're going to spend the bulk of this episode discussing Davey Allison's life and legacy, both within and beyond uh, the sport of NASCAR. But I want to begin this episode uh, by talking a little bit about the video we did together that I put on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Eric Estep, uh, where I got to visit Uncle Ben's lunchroom. You were telling me before the show that you even got more pieces that you're looking to add to that at some point, but like that was super awesome. And I know a lot of my viewers enjoyed watching that video. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, be sure to go check it out. It was uh, really uh, an amazing experience for me to see uh, your collection up close and in person. Yeah, well, I, I want to personally thank everybody and for the very extremely kind comments that that were put on there on YouTube. And I want to tell you guys, I was absolutely blown away 
by not only the kind comments, but the, the vast uh, numbers of people that looked at that. And I, I don't remember what the last count was, over, what, 20,000 people. I really yeah. thought, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Eric, I really thought, okay, after you talked me into showing this, this is kind of a personal spot for me. You know, we'd go out yeah. there with friends and we'd drink coffee and we'd do breakfast and lunch and dinner. We're talking 12 or 15 people at the most we'd have over there out behind the house here. And, and you, I thought, well, maybe 500, 600 people might <laughs> see this thing. And we were over 20,000 people who enjoyed seeing it. And I'm, I'm truly honored and heartfelt, sincere thanks to everybody who, who tuned into that to see it. Maybe I would have dressed a little better or maybe I would, <laughs> I would have, you know, tried to speak a little better or whatever. But I thought, gosh, I had no idea. But you know what? I want to say this. There are a couple of guys who, who pointed out some things about some things that I said, and, and I really appreciate that. The cool thing about race fans is they know their stuff, and I respect that. There was a couple of pieces that I didn't speak correctly on. One was the uh, the A.J. Foyt piece. I said middle 90s is what I thought it was, and actually it came from 2000 or 2001, and I was corrected on that, and I appreciate that, and I'm, I appreciate uh, the person yeah. who mentioned that Rick Mass was one of AJ's drivers, uh, several others. Uh, I think, uh, uh, gosh, Mike bliss, I think was another driver mm -hmm. that drove for him, but I, I stand corrected. It wasn't mid nineties. It was uh, 2000 or 2001. And for whatever reason, I can't explain for in my head. I don't know why I've said this all these years. I thought the Kodak piece that rusty drove was from Pocono wrong again. It was actually from Texas. So, Steve, uh, you're right. It, it was not uh, Pocono. It was actually uh, in Texas when he drove that. Do so, you, what, you uh, know what year it was? Was it 2005? 2005, yeah. See, if it was the fall Texas race, that was the first race I attended. I, I should have known. I should, I should have recognized well, well, it. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I've said that all these years. I've told friends, oh, that's the Pocono piece from, you know, from Rusty, and I was wrong. So, Steve, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate you bringing that out. And I, I don't know why I've said that all these years. I've lied to people forever on that. <laughs> so, so thanks for correcting me. But yeah, it's just a it's just a mistake I made, and uh, I love it when people tell me the truth. I mean, I try really hard not to make mistakes on this history stuff. Not perfect, and so I do I do make some, some mistakes. So anyway, and now I know. So every time I walk in the lunch room from now on, I'm going to look up at that piece and say, "That's a Texas piece. That's not a Pocono piece." <laughs> so and and good old AJ in the corner. It was 2000 or 2001. So I'm going to remember those two pieces from now on. But yeah, I do have about a dozen more pieces, and I'd say three or four of those are prominent pieces. Uh, someone did mention to me that there were no Earnhardt pieces. Of the prominent pieces that I've yet to hang, I do have an Earnhardt piece, and I've held on to that. I want to put it in a really special place. So as you can see, there's no more space to be had in nope. the lunchroom. It's packed. And I'm going to. It is packed. I'm going to have to add on to the building in the next few years. I'm trying to figure out, should I go out to the to the back or out to the side? Don't know yet. Anyway, stay tuned. We might open it up another sometime in the future in two or three years. Uh, you come back and we might, yeah. we might do it again. But again, a very heartfelt, sincere thank you to everybody who has some very, very kind words to say about it. It's just a place to hang. It's a place to, to grill burgers. It's a place to, to have a, a flat screen to have movie night and uh, that kind of thing. So again, many, many thanks to everybody who, who has something very kind to say about it. 
Yeah, that was it was really cool experience for me. And, and I, I'll, I think I speak on behalf of even the people who are commenting is that with as many pieces as you have in there, I think you can be forgiven if you're slightly off on the date on one or two of them, <laughs> well, especially well, if they don't even know when the AJ Foyt one is like, oh, it might be 2000, might be 2001. You know, it's still it's, it's an imperfect science. You right. know? Well, well I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it's old age. OK, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> I, listen, this is a guy who's who I'll ask my wife, I'll say, where are my glasses? And I'll look all over the house and she'll say how about look on top of your head? So, hey, there you go. A lot of times they're on top of my head. I can't I can't help it. So there you go. I, I do forget things. Well, it was a fantastic collection to see in person. I hope uh, the video did it uh, justice. So, again, oh, yeah. those of you who are listening, oh, thank you. Those of you listening who have not seen it yet, uh, go check it out on my YouTube channel. That's Eric Estep on YouTube. You will find it. I think I called the video like the most epic NASCAR collection I've ever seen because it it, it is. I mean, I, I visited the, the NASCAR Hall of Fame, I think, the, the next day after I was there. And I'll be honest, like the NASCAR Hall of Fame's got a pretty cool collection of stuff. But as far as like consolidated into one room, I, I don't think there's any one just, you know, compact room in the Hall of Fame that uh, jams as much history into it as uh, as Uncle Ben's lunchroom. So that was a pretty fantastic experience for me personally. Uh, appreciate you sharing that with all of us. Now, sure. to, today, as you mentioned, is, is a sad, a somber occasion. It's the 28th uh, year anniversary of um, Davy Allison's tragic passing in 1993. Uh, and like I said earlier, I know you're very close with Davy, very close to the Allison family still today. So um, I kind of just want to kick things off very open ended. Um, when did you first meet Davy Allison? Can I ask that? Like, when did you first, uh, what was your first interaction with, with that whole family? Well, I tell you the truth, Eric, you know, back, I've got to go way, way back on this because. Uh, I think this is the best place to start. I have to go. I've got to go back to April sixteenth, nineteen seventy-two, and that's the day I was eleven years old. Went to Darlington for the first time, and I didn't know Bobby Allison or Richard Petty, David Pearson. I didn't know any of those guys because I just had been introduced to to NASCAR that day, and I saw those cars come around. What was then the turns one and two? They've changed the track now to where the the back stretch then is now the front stretch. But we went to the back there, set on the concrete, as I've talked about before, mm -hmm. and a song come around and saw these beautiful cars come around. And I don't know why, but my guy that day driving the Coca-Cola number 12 Chevrolet was Bobby Allison. I just pulled for him, my brother, Doug, pulled for Richard Petty. My dad pulled for Bobby Allison, I mean, for David Pearson that day, excuse me, because he was driving the same kind of car, a, a, a Mercury that the same kind of car that David was driving on the racetrack. So I pulled for that guy because that's the same car I have in the driveway. And he was a long time David Pearson fan because of that. Hmm. Well, I didn't know Bobby from Adam's house cat. I really didn't know anything <laughs> about him. And so I said, I'm going to pull for that guy, not knowing that many years later we would become great friends, write a book together, do things together, become close family friends. Well, that led to, to being introduced to Davey and Davey came to Darlington in 1986 he had already been running the arco stuff and running the short track stuff around alabama uh, but he had already driven some stuff uh, in the cup series for for uh, uh junior johnson and mm -hmm. and for haas ellington he had already sort of put his foot in the water so to speak uh, in the cup series here there and yonder but he was going to in 1987 he was going to drive uh, for Harry Renier filling in or taking the spot from Kale Yarbrough because Kale was going to be moving on. 
Well, nobody really, I mean, it's sort of new, new Davy, but not, not that well. So that's the first time I really, really got to, to meet Davy. I sort of seen him around here and here and there, but not, didn't really know him. So that's when I really met Davy was when he was about to take that ride for the next year. And so, uh, yeah, and just, and that's what's so interesting about it. I mean, some people in the media knew Davy, but not all that well because he was just cherry picking this race, that race. Uh, he wasn't a full-time driver, but again, keep in mind, he had driven some stuff for Junior Johnson, for Hoss Ellington here and there. But now when he got in that, uh, in the car and in 87, uh, that's when he started taking off of his cup career, but we hit it off immediately because I mean, he's just a very personable person to get to know, a very personable guy, and very down-to-earth, uh, very humble. But that, see, that's the way Bobby sort of taught him to be. He was the son of Bobby Allison. Bobby had already won a championship. Mm -hmm. But when he started to uh, get into this, Bobby didn't say, here's a brand-new, pristine race car in the corner, Davey. I'm going to make your career for you. I'm going to turn the wrenches for you. I'm going to introduce you to all these people to make sure you have a great career. No, that's not what Bobby did. Bobby said, there's your race car, and his race car was in a 1,000 pieces in the corner <laughs> and said, "You are, if you're going to make it in this business, you got to learn how to build these race cars and so there's the wrenches, there's the car, work it out. And he was really tough on Davey to the point where Donnie Allison was even saying, Bobby, you need to sort of lighten up on him a little bit. Hmm. And Bobby's reaction was, well, if he's going to make it in this business, he's going to do it without me. He's going to have to make his way. So he worked for Bobby Allison Racing. He turned wrenches on race cars. He learned how to make that happen. And so, by the way, that's a thunderstorm, yeah. I think. I was going to say, it's, it's it's storming outside my place. I'm hoping the mic doesn't pick it up. But, uh, yeah, sorry, go yeah. on. Yeah, and so so it was one of those situations where he had to learn how to make the, the car go fast. But he also, to make him a better race car driver, he had to know if he was in those desperate situations with 10 to go, 15 to go, if he started hearing things in a race car, not to panic, but know what was going wrong in the car so he could adjust to it. And that's what, what Bobby wanted him to know how to do. He'd, to work on cars, to know what was going on in the, in the latter laps of a race. And so that's what he tried to teach him how to do by working on the car, adjusting to the problem. And that's what made him a better race car driver. Yeah. So. I think that's interesting not to change the subject too much, but I've, I've heard people talk about that with race car drivers today, that a lot of drivers today, you know, don't have that same hands-on experience with race cars that they did in the 80s, 90s, and even the early 2000s. And I, right. I feel like there's a serious difference there. But you know, growing up, like I, I have a lot of respect for drivers that know the intricacies of what the piece they're actually driving, who who know what you know, feel a vibration in the car, and they immediately have three or four or five things that they know it's probably one of those things. You know, that's got to yeah. be an advantage for drivers like that. It is, but you know what? Interestingly enough. You know, Cale Yarborough was a three-time Cup Series champion and, and a heck of a race car driver. I mean, once a, a driver that if it was literally a 10th place car, he could win with it. And depending mm -hmm. upon the circumstances, depending upon the race that was in, depending upon the track he was on. But Cale was one of those guys that really didn't know a lot about the mechanics of a race car. and But, but you put him in the seat of a car and he could get the absolute most out of it. But he would radio back to his crew and say, this is what's going on. Where some drivers 
like Davy, could analyze what was going on. David Pearson was one of those guys that could analyze what was going on. And I take nothing away from Kale. Good Lord, I mean, Kale was one of the absolute very best. Mm-hmm. But could could he get on the radio and, and analyze what was going on in the car, not as well as what, say, a Davey or uh, uh, maybe a Donnie Allison or Bobby could. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Davey was extremely good about knowing what a car could do because he was there uh, working on the cars and, and could analyze what was going on. But Davey, I mean, uh, Bobby taught him to do that for that very reason, because if you, you might make a, a bad judgment call or might make a pit stop uh, because you might misanalyze what was going on in a car. So that's exactly why he wanted to teach him how to do that. But yeah, Davey was just, uh, he worked on everything Bobby put his way and he was a great crew crew member before he ever got inside of a race car. So when did you first, what was your first uh, interaction with Davey Allison specifically? Do you remember where, or when you met him? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think from a journalist viewpoint, I'm trying to think when that's a great mm-hmm. question. I'm trying to think back when that would have been. It had to have been sometime. Uh, I want to say it had to have been sometime during that 80s, maybe the 86 season, it, 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 possibly before he really got into the, to driving for Harry Rainier. Uh, he was still making his way through Arca, making his way through the occasional cup series ride back in that time. But, you know, it could have been, I might have met him somewhere along the way interviewing Bobby, you know, back when he was doing his thing too. Um, And it could have been back in the time when we were working on the book together back in maybe uh, 1990, 91 in that era too, because I mean, we sort of cross paths here and there. I do remember things like the personal side. You know, when I normally when I was talking to Bobby, the, Clifford was there. Um, you know, Davey was there. I, I go down to Alabama some and work on the book with them, things like that. So yeah, just in crossing paths along the way. But we did interact a lot more when uh, when his career was getting up to speed in '87 when he joined Harry Rainier, and then that turned into. Uh, you know, when, when Robert Yates bought the team in 89. So yeah, just when his career took off in the cup series more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to ask this because Davey Allison, uh, you know, his cup series career, he accomplished a lot in only, you know, a few full-time seasons. He won the 1992 mm-hmm. Daytona 500. Uh, he was rookie of the year, correct? In a 1987. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he, he won the Winston multiple times you know he, he was a very successful driver clearly had a ton of talent um i want to ask you as someone who saw him from the very beginning race in person how did davy allison as a driver seem to differ from maybe other young or even other veteran drivers in that same era yeah i think the best thing that that davy did on the racetrack is he was aggressive on the track but he also was very level-headed on the racetrack and what i mean by that is he, did, he got in some aggressive driving situations but he didn't panic he always mm. was able to go back to his crew chief and make decisions along with his crew chief but he could see things maybe some other drivers couldn't if that makes any sense he he was extremely level-headed about okay do i need tires do i not need tires do i need two tires instead of four tires are we are we going to be good to lay back at this particular part, portion of the race or do, am I, do i need to be aggressive 
I do remember a time at Talladega. I don't recall the, the particular race. He was with Robert Yates. It was in the Haviland days. Uh, it could have been 91. I think it, I, I don't remember the year. But I remember he was in one of those situations where he was he was trying to team up with a driver. The driver said, yeah, I'll help you through this situation. And then it didn't work out. <laughs> and he went into the drive. He went into the transporter and was so aggressive, so aggressive. He ended up breaking his hand from, and not from driving from just getting wow. so mad that he, <laughs> he, he crashed his hand into the side of the transporter and broke his hand. Ooh. I remember that. And, but now he was level headed in the way he handled himself on the racetrack. But I mean, he, he had a little bit of a temper from time to time, but this is what, this was Davey. Davey was, if he was eating a cheeseburger and fries, he was dedicated to doing that. Okay. <laughs> I would say to him sometimes, Davey, slow down. It's like, it's just a cheeseburger. <laughs> it's like, I know, but I got to eat. It's like, it was just so dedicated to everything he did. Interesting. Yeah. He was always that way from him. From the time I always knew him, he was just dedicated to whatever it was he was doing. If he was driving a race car, he was dedicated to it. Eating a cheeseburger, he's dedicated to it. Signing autographs. Everything he did was he was focused in that box. And But a gentleman to down to the core. He was Every time I was with him, though, he was... Here, let me give you an example about this. There was a sure. time I went to him and... I needed to talk to him for an interview. We were sitting in the truck at Charlotte. This was 92, maybe. And I said, Davey, I really need to talk to you about some stuff, bud. And he's like, okay, let's talk about that. And I asked some questions to him. He said, Ben, let me ask you a question. He didn't He didn't shoot off at me or anything like that. He just, let me ask you a question. I said, sure. He said, I'm really struggling right now with the chassis set up on this race car. Can I come to you in 20 minutes and I'll answer anything you need to answer? I said, sure, that's fine with me. He said, okay, let me do it. He didn't say, would you just get out of my face right now? I've got so much on my mind. He never did that to me. He was full of class about everything that he did. I remember one time, I'm just shooting out stories here, but I remember one time yeah. I went to the condo at Charlotte and I was to meet Bobby for the book signing after our Circle of Triumph book came out in, in 1993, uh, early 93. We were to go to a local store to sign books. I tapped on the door of Bobby's condo. And I didn't get the voice of Bobby. I, I heard somebody else. And I, he said, come in. And I did. It was Davey. And he was sitting at the table with his mom, Judy. And he was having a bowl of cereal. And I said, I knew that wasn't Bobby, but it didn't sound like you. And he said, no, I got a little bit of a head cold, but come in and, and dad will be back in a little bit. He had somewhere he had to go this morning and come right back. Okay. So we're sitting along, we're sitting there talking. And, and he said, I got to slip over to my condo and get something for my head cold. So let's run over there for a minute. I said, okay. So we hung out over there for a little bit. And I said, oh, by the way, I need to tell you this. And this is just a minute or two into our visit i said there's a young lady downstairs that stopped me and says she's got a, a dead battery in her car and before i could hardly get that out of my mouth he grabbed his jacket he said we're gone we got to go down <laughs> and help her and he was that way he was so helpful to people that needed his our his help and so we ran down there as fast as we could and she apparently had gotten some help because we couldn't find her anywhere 
I said she must have gotten someone to jump her car because I, I don't see her anywhere. The point I'm trying to make is that he was so dedicated to help anybody in need that needed it, whether I'm Davey Alts or not. He was extremely helpful to anybody that needed his help. And so what I'm saying, he was very down to earth. I'm a superstar race car driver, but if you need my help, I'm right there to help you. Just, just a great guy all the way around. That's actually kind of something I was going to ask because, you know, he, he was coming up through NASCAR sort of as the sport itself was blossoming, becoming a bigger and bigger deal. He was, you know, a superstar, you know, he was the son of a superstar. He was a superstar himself. You know, I just wondered, did that, did you ever see any of those, you know, stereotypical superstar tendencies? And no. it sounds like you're saying you didn't. No, I, I never did. And I, I remember one other time with Davey that it really upset him. He was at, uh, I believe this was at Talladega. He was at Talladega. There's a large group of folks that were there to sign autographs. And a child had gotten too close to the fence. And mm -hmm. there was, you know, at the top of the fence, it's a little bit jagged at the yeah. top. And he, he scratched his arm a little bit. And it just, Davey's like, come here to me. And he was just worried about this child. And he didn't get, the child didn't get hurt too bad, but he just scratched his arm. I remember that. And I was standing close by, and he was like, what can we do to get you some help? And he worked it out to make sure this child got to the Enfield Medical Center. And I, I can't I can't describe to you what a, a big heart Davey had. He was just, you know, the child wasn't hurt that bad, but he was hurt. And he said, we need to sli slip this kid in, and let's get him to get some medical help for this arm. What had happened was the, the, the parent didn't mean for this to happen, but it was – they had just gotten too close, and he got his arm caught on that when he was mm -hmm. trying to take a T-shirt up to let him sign it. And I can't describe what a big heart he had. He was just he he cared so much for other people. I can't even describe how much money he probably gave to charitable causes, you know, yeah. to make sure. And he didn't, but he didn't want anybody to know. Hey, I'm Davey. I'm gave money to this and that. He didn't want anybody to know that. He just knew that I'm blessed to be able to help other people through my racing. And I know in my heart, I've helped people. And that's all he cared about. He didn't want gratitude or buildings named after him or any of that kind of stuff. He was just, racing was what he did and he wanted to give back. And he did a lot of that. That's incredible. That's really, really yeah. cool, yeah. Uh, and like you said, it sounds like, almost like a racehorse with blinders on. He was always focused on you know the task at hand. And so I, that's what I was thinking, you're talking about the kid getting, you know, scratching himself at the autograph session. You know, I feel like the moment he's, probably saw that it was that was his focus he wanted to make sure that yeah. he was okay and and you know didn't 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 need to worry about the the rest of uh you know the event until you know he made sure that the kid was okay that's yeah. a pretty cool story right yeah and and that's what Davey was about and sure he wanted to make sure fans got what they needed and he was yeah. another one of those types that he would stay to the very end you know i do know this bobby was the kind of guy that would drive 100 500 miles uh, in 150 degree heat so to speak and win the race, and then he would make sure that the absolute last person in line got the autograph that they needed after doing all that he had done all day long. And there might be, gosh, there might be 500 people in line, but Bobby said, I'm not leaving till the last guy sign, gets that signed autograph. Davey was exactly the same way. He would wait till the last person got that autograph, and he understood that without the fans I wouldn't be here racing. I'd be doing something I don't want to do. So, I mean, that he wanted to be better 
than than that. He wanted to make sure that the people who supported him, he supported them, and that that was very heartfelt for Davy. He and I had some talks about that, how important that kind of thing was. So yeah, he was a a great superstar race car driver, but that wasn't the number one thing with Davy. He wanted yeah. to be the best he could be for others around him and, and use that to, to serve other people. Yeah. It sounds like he just, he just got it, you know, something that not, oh, yeah. not everyone else, not everybody understands, but that that's really incredible. Um, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of, of Bobby Allison, cause I know you're, you're still very close to Bobby Allison, you know, how much, you know, how much of Bobby did you see sort of translate into Davey? Do you feel like they were very, very similar or were there specific things about Davey that kind of differed personality wise or like racing wise? Like were there any similarities or differences there? Would you say? No, I I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. And I think, I think Davey patterned himself quite a bit about to be very much like Bobby um, in a lot of ways. I mean, he had the greatest mentor on earth. I mean, Bobby to me is like a second dad. Uh, and that's, you know, he and I had a, a great conversation this morning based because it's, it's a bad day. Okay. And I just mm-hmm. called him and I said, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you're having, re- this is a really bad day. And I said, here's the deal. I said, we don't want to talk about that one thing that we don't want to talk about, but we, we've got thousands and thousands of really good memories that we can flood ourselves with today. Right. And he said, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we didn't have to really say what we didn't want to say, but we were talking in code, but we knew what we were trying to say. And Davy, Davy really wanted to be like his dad. Matter of fact, uh, you know, there's when Davy was riding beside of his dad, when he was two years old, he would make engine noises <laughs> as if he was driving a race car. Yeah. And, and that's all he dreamed of doing was driving a race car and be like his dad. And there were times Davey told me this story and Bobby told me this story. He said when the grades in high school weren't where they needed to be, a cover got put on the race car. And that was, <laughs> that was his way of getting grounded until the grades got better. And, and see, that was what was so different about Clifford Allison, his younger brother, and Davey. Davey wanted to drive from the time he could hold the steering wheel at six months old. And Clifford, it took Clifford a long time to realize he wanted to drive a race car. And so that was such a difference. And sadly, you know, Clifford lost his life uh, in 1992 at Michigan during a practice session. And, you know, he was working. And I've heard Bobby say this, Clifford died working and where Davey died playing you know, and he, he died in the helicopter crash. And Davey, for those who didn't know, he died in a helicopter crash visiting Talladega Super Speedway, a, a track that he had won at several times and went over to see Neil Bonnet and, and David Bonnet during a practice session. And, and with him that day was a red farmer. Yeah. And they were, they were trying to actually trying to land in the media parking lot. And uh, there was... I don't know exactly what happened to the helicopter. It was if it was pilot error, if it was if it was helicopter error. I don't know the whole story, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, there was a crash, and Davy didn't survive it. And so, that's that's the way the story is. Um, the way I see it, the good Lord had a place for Davy that day, and that's where we are. But what he accomplished on the racetrack over a nine-year period in the Cup Series. Uh, it was phenomenal, and 
the person off the racetrack, I think, was way better than the driver on the racetrack. And that's a great compliment to Davey. He, I, you know, it's hard to put into words what a great person I think Davey was as a person. And, and when you have people, as Bobby has said to me many times, when you have people who loved your son from all around the world, loved him genuinely, I think that's a pretty big compliment to, to be able to say that. And, uh, but yeah, I just have, I have great memories. I mean, about Davey on a happy note, the first time I ever tasted venison was from Davey and he gave me such a hard time about it. I said, Davey, I don't want any of that. Man, you got to try this. You got to try this. You got to try this. (laughs) It's like, I don't care to. And he said, well, you'll never know if you liked it or not, if you didn't try it. So try it. So I said, okay, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? (laughs) Okay, I love it. It's great. I don't know that I really did, but I told him that. <laughs> you know, and uh, the thing that killed me about Davey, it's like his dad. You're talking about comparing the two. Yeah. Bobby was so cold-natured that he would wear flannel shirts all the time at Talladega. It's like, what's your problem, dude? It's like, it's hot. Why are you wearing flannel shirts at Talladega? Because I'm, so I'm so cold-natured. You know, that's what Bobby would say. Mm. I don't know that Davey was all that cold-natured. I think he, I guess he thought he was, but he would wear flannel shirts just like Bobby. He was a carbon, <laughs> he was a mini me of Bobby, I think, because yeah. he just loved to be like Bobby. And the greatest, one of the greatest races of all time was 1988 when Bobby wins the Daytona 500 and Davey finished his second. And he yeah. really tried to win against his dad. <laughs> and he fantasized, he told me all the time, he said, I just want to win the Daytona 500 and my dad finished second. It so never close. worked out that way. Yeah, and and I and here's I'm rambling, Eric, and I don't mean to do that, but I just have so many memories that flood my mind, like 1992 in Atlanta in November, mm-hmm. when he all he had to do is finish. I, I don't know, it's like seventh, eighth, tenth. All he had to do is finish the race. Yeah, and and he he got into an accident. No disrespect to Ernie Urban, but he. He got into an accident with Ernie. Ernie would have never in a million years wrecked him on purpose. It just happened. He blew a tire. Yeah. And Davey was right behind him. Now, Davey could have kicked and screamed and and all that and but he didn't. He was so there was that was a he was so classy about it that he just told everyone, you know what, this wasn't my year. And keep in mind, 92 was a horrific year for Davey. It's either a roller coaster, either up on top of the world or in a hospital, one of the two. Barrel flips at Pocono and all these crashes and all these things. The Winston in in May where he crashed. And gosh, I mean, he. some people may not believe it, but he he told me, he said, Liz told me this, not Davey. He said, I believe he, he passed away during that wreck at Charlotte. He told me he passed away during that crash at Charlotte and came back. Okay. So that's how intense that year was. So when he gets to Atlanta, he didn't win the championship. Yeah. Right. So, but how does he handle this, this entire year? He says, we'll come back and get him another year. Yeah. He didn't get the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just what a classy individual Davey was. And again, I apologize for rambling like I am, but it's no, just so, so many, so many, so many thoughts come through my mind talking about Davey, what a, what a class individual he was. And sadly, he didn't see 
a chance to come back and, and win a championship like he so desperately wanted, but he really thought he had plenty of years to do it and it just didn't work out. But, uh, and then his last, uh, his last gift to others was, you know, he, he donated his eyes to another person who couldn't see. Hmm. So, you know, think about, I mean, yeah, how, still what a, people, yeah. what a gift, what a gift, what a gift. So anyway, just a great individual. I, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, no, yeah. I could listen to those stories uh, all day long. It's clear, uh, um, you know, the impression he left on you and, and left on thousands or millions of others, everyone he came into contact with. It sounds like I've never heard a, a bad thing about uh, Davy Allison or really the, the Allison family, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned some other names, and I, I kind of want to direct the conversation a little bit more towards you know some of his on the track, uh, you know successes or you know, defeats in the case of Atlanta in 1992. But um, you mentioned some other names, you know, Red Farmer, uh, Neil Bonnet, you know, the, the Alabama gang, and you know, being an Allison, you know, Davy was sort of a de facto you know member of of the Alabama gang. But like, you know, that like kind of community, that little tight knit group of drivers, you know, where did he fit in there? You know, not just his relationship with Bobby Allison, obviously, but you know, his relationship with some of those other older drivers that he kind of grew up watching mm-hmm. and was friends yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, they, they saw some talent in Davey early on and, and, you know, there was early in the game, there was what they called the peach fuzz gang, not the Alabama gang. And that was the, <laughs> that was the younger guys that were coming up uh, through the ranks with Davey and run on the short tracks and the cousins, you know, that hung out with him and running at Birmingham international raceway. And, and just those tracks around it, uh, around uh, Birmingham and around uh, Hueytown, Alabama, where they race. And that's where they cut their teeth and decided were they going to be racers or not, and did they have the talent to do so. And, and yeah, and you know, Neil was, was not related to the Allisons, but, I mean, he was right there alongside building engines with Bobby early in the game and after he went to be a pipe fitter, uh, and his real job, he'd stay up all night helping Bobby build engines there in that little shop behind the house at Ewingtown. And, uh, and, and of course, Red Farmer was there racing against him and teaching Bobby and Davey uh, w- how to build engines and how to race. And, and right there, glued to those two guys and, and, of course, to Donnie and, of course, to Neil. And you could call them all you know, maybe not blood relatives, but they're all family. All of them. They're all mentors and in some way. Very yeah. much so. And they followed each other. To, and that's where that Alabama gang you know, moniker came from because they, they came from Florida, but then they went into Alabama because the money was better. Hmm. And and that's how that started here. And someone said, here comes that Alabama gang again. And that's how it all started. <laughs> and some of those times where the money was so lean, they'd buy the bushels of peaches and they'd, you know, live on peaches so they could buy parts. I mean, they, they came from very humble beginnings to be able to race. And so they weren't, they didn't come into this, none of them, they didn't come into it rich. And they worked hard and they built their own cars, built their own engines. And, uh, you know, come from very humble beginnings to, to be able to come to the top. So, yeah, I mean, that, but you couldn't find a, a hard, harder working family and a more humble family. And there was, a lot of those Talladega races where the the food would you know, set up uh, the the wood to four by eight sheets with the uh, you know the, the wood bucks underneath and it'd just mm-hmm. be nothing but food and in the garage area and they just go get plates of food and then we go race that kind of thing very <laughs> humble 
family, family, family. And I just, that's why I love this crowd so much. And I'm honored. I'm not, I won't call myself part of the Alabama gang by any stretch, but I'm just honored to be friends with this crowd of people. They, and, and to have been able to write Bobby Allison's book in the early nineties and be invited into this, at least to the edge of the circle. I won't know if I'm in the circle, but to the edge just family, you know, and, and I, like I said, I spoke to Bobby this morning and we, you know, I called him my second dad and I told him, I said, sorry. No, oh, yeah. Just honored for him to, to be my second dad. Just a good, good group of folks. Sorry. Oh, and, of uh, course. Yeah. So anyway, they're just a good, good group of folks, and uh, I am so honored to be part of that crowd. And he and you got to go back to watching him and Donnie and Davey and Clifford and all those guys race when I was a kid. Now I won't not Clifford and Davey because they were my age, but just watching them race so hard back in that era when I was younger and then to be able to go hang out with them and then, you know, go to dinner and just they're I'm part of that crowd. And it just means a lot to me to be able to, to say their family. Sorry for that emotion, but it's no, just, that's good. That's good. They're just, they're just really good people. Really good people. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I've, I've never heard a bad word about um, the Allison family. I've only heard very positive and glowing uh, reviews from people who've had, um, experience with them, so no, I, I can tell that's that's a really special group of people over there. Uh, everyone that's sort of associated with the Alabama gang, as they're know, known now. You know, I talked to a guy. I was at a short track out here in Texas not that long ago, and it was a. I, I ended up talking to a fan who. I think he said, I think he used to like test race cars with like Neil Bonnet and stuff back in like uh, it's Bush series days and things like that. And, you know, he talked about even he mentioned Bobby Allison, mentioned Neil Bonnet as people that he was, yeah. you know, just had the utmost respect and appreciation for them. So that whole group of people, um, no matter where you go, you'll run into someone who has a great story to tell about that family. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, another quick thought, Eric, was the last time. Uh, I talked to Davey was at New Hampshire uh, on July 11th after he had gotten out of the car. He finished third that day. And I, I still think about this and the smile he had on his face. And I had stepped out of the media center after the race was over. Uh, I was up there for NASCAR scene and illustrated and I just happened to step out and he was coming out of the garage and had a big smile on his face. I still see the sort of a Hawaiian, not really Hawaiian, but a kind of a plaid, light plaid shirt and jeans. And he was headed out of the garage. I said, Hey bud, what's up? I said, you had a good run. He said, man, I'm telling you, we have really found something. And he was like, you would have thought he won the race, but he actually <laughs> finished third. And I said, well, I, I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to ask him, what'd you find? Cause he wouldn't tell me, but I knew that. But I said, what's good that you had a good day? He said, man, I'm telling you, we found something, we found something, we found something. And it's, I, I feel good about this. We've been searching for something, and I, I'm really, really happy that we found something in the car we've been looking for. And he just had this big grin on his face. And, I mean, no one knew what the next day would hold. And the next day is when he had the crash in the helicopter. But we were going to help to uh, going to Pocono and uh and I, I can't remember if I was scheduled to go to Pocono or 
I don't remember. But then we flew home. They flew home on a private jet. And I talked to Robert the net, uh, days and days later. Said that it was a very festive mood in the in the plane, and they, just, they all feel great, you know. And and then they were planning to go to Pocono, of course, the next week. And then, of course, he and Red decided to fly over there to uh, to poke. Uh, I'm sorry, to Talladega to see Neil Ray. So that afternoon, he popped in the house to speak to his mom and his sister, uh, and said. Um, I'll be back later, just going to go over to Talladega for a little bit. And uh, then, of course, we knew what happened. But, yeah, I just remember that day. He just was so – had a big smile on his face. And I just remember speaking to him, and he said – I said, hey, bud, what's up? I said, he did really good. He had a good run. <laughs> just a, a nice conversation, you know. And he said, we found it, we found it, we found it. And that's the last we spoke. But I just remember what I what I left that day – in my mind, I still see that really big smile on his face, and that's the way I remember him. I, and then, we, of course, we went down for uh, the wake. I did not go to the funeral because I couldn't. I just didn't have the strength to do it. I just, I couldn't do it. But uh, I did go to Alabama and went to the wake and, of course, hung out with Bobby and Judy some, and I just I was glad I was there for them because Bobby needed me to be. Uh, but I couldn't stay. I didn't have the strength to stay for the rest. But anyway, I, you know, I just, what I wanted to lead up to and say was that I remember the smile and that's what I've had in my mind for 28 years is that the last time I saw him, the, the smile from ear to ear that they were happy they found something in the car that they'd been looking for. And so that's the way I remember him. And that's, that's the best part of the whole story is the way what I saw last is what I remember the most. And yeah. that's the best part. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to ask this. Um, you know, as far as his racing career, or you can even say your personal relationship with him and the family, yeah. what would you say is your, your all time favorite Davy Allison moment? Hmm. Wow. That, oh, well, I can tell you, I think one thing that comes to mind that I'm, I was honored to do with him and I say, and I don't say this in a bragging way. I just say it as a fun way. We had, again, we had a book signing uh that we, when we did the, the book with bobby and it was down in daytona beach and and it was one of these things that we could never put it together to do it individually so we went to a restaurant down there in uh in daytona the night before i believe it was the 1992 daytona 500 and that was the race he won so i was in between and this is such an honor for me. It's like I kept thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Because I don't, this is a picture. It's one of those, you know, Waldo type things where you feel like you're just in the wrong place. Bobby <laughs> was to my left. Davey was to my right. And I'm in the middle. And I felt so out of place. <laughs> but, but they were signing autographs and they were sliding things along. And those books that we did together mm -hmm. were being slid. And Bobby was to my left and Davey to my right. And we were signing. They asked me to sign books with them, and I kept telling them, guys, I've never won the Daytona 500. <laughs> I have never won a championship. I felt so out of place. They're like, you're coming with us, and you're going to sit right here in the middle, and you're signing books because you read this book. I was like, all right, whatever. And so I did them, and I thought to myself, what an honor to be sitting right here between these guys and the – they're sliding stuff between the stuff that obviously that I had no business signing. I didn't sign. Right. 
But the books, when they came through, I signed them, and I had you didn't sign any had, like diecast cars. Or no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because I because I didn't want somebody to look at this thing thirty years later, <laughs> turn it sideways, and upside down. So who is this guy? <laughs> I didn't want to do that. That's but cool, I mean, though. I That's signed cool. I signed some books, you know, and I as they come through, and I helped slide some stuff to Bobby that wasn't something I should sign to him. But I'm thinking to myself, I got Bobby Allison to my left and Davey Allison to my right. This is the coolest thing I have ever done in my life. And they would both grin in and say, hey, man, look at this. This is cool. And Davey would pick something up and say, I had no idea they made this. This is cool. And he'd sign it and slide it to Bobby. Oh, what do you think of this? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And he'd flip it over, some some item, you know, like yeah. that, some collectible. Mm-hmm. And he'd sign it and, smile and give it back or slide it to Bobby or whatever. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I sitting here in the middle of these guys doing this for? I don't know. It was just one of those really cool special moments that it was. I'm so honored to be here, but I'm so out of place. Yeah. Why in the world? And that, <laughs> to answer your question, that was one of the coolest nights I've ever had in my life to be sitting right there, and I was so blessed to be able to do that. And that I, I still think about that. That was the night before the 1992 Daytona 500, and then the next day I'm there to cover the race. And then the next day he wins it. And I was like, this is too unreal. Isn't it? This That's is so amazing. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I so couldn't it, even, I couldn't imagine something like that. That yeah. would be, I, I'm trying yeah. to think of like the modern day equivalent and, and I don't, yeah. that's tough. That's, that's pretty remarkable. That's that speaks also to what kind of people they were, though. That they wanted you to be included. They wanted you to be yeah. involved. And believe me, Eric, I begged them. I said, guys, I don't, I do not fit into this picture. You guys, please don't make me do this. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 man. You got, they got people that got books, and that you you wrote this book, and we want you to be in the middle of this. And I'm like, okay, but I, I you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? I didn't. I just, sure, I yeah. felt so awkward being in that spot but i said okay i'll sign the books i will not <laughs> i will not I won't sign anything. the t-shirts or the, I, won't I won't sign, sign babies the, you know <laughs> no 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 no. won't sign the heads of babies yeah. nothing like that but okay you know what i'm saying i just yeah, felt yeah. like i was it was an honorable thing i just felt like wow i just i was so so floored and so taken aback to be in that spot and i was honored to do it not yeah. not big head just honored to be there that's that speaks to them though that they didn't have the big head. They're they're not no, you know they're no, more than no. willing to share the spotlight with those no, who they feel deserve those, it. You know those two guys. I never never. I'm telling you, even today, Bobby. They never 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 had the big head on any of that stuff. They were so humble about it. I'm telling you, Bob, Davey was that way. He never ever ever had the big head about any of that kind of stuff. He was so humble about it. That's remarkable. So, yeah, that's incredible. Well, um, as we start to wrap this episode up, this has been really eye-opening, really amazing for me to hear some of these stories firsthand. But I kind of want to leave on you know a final, very big, open-ended question to you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But what would you say Davy Allison's legacy is, both on and off the track, or or either, or whichever you want to focus on, uh, in the world of NASCAR? Yeah, I can answer that pretty simply. I would say on the racetrack giving 150 percent to being the best and and trying his best to give all he had to winning a championship in the most fair way he possibly could he wouldn't stuff anybody in the wall to get it he would he wanted to race you clean he wanted to be doing it in an honorable sort of way i never knew davy to do anything sideways on the racetrack to get a position or any of that kind of stuff to to better himself. He would race you clean or not do it. Okay. Off the racetrack, he was, he was a gentleman. He was, 
he wanted to leave the world a better place than he found it. And he wanted to be, if he was a hero to some small child, you could take that to the bank. He didn't have something in the dark, deep, dark side that you would read about. You follow what I'm saying? He, he was a genuine, honest, genuine hero to somebody that he was genuine as they come, if that answers your question. Absolutely. He was, he was the best there was. I'm telling you straight up. He may not have had, he never won a championship. He only won 19 races, but the best of the best, you know, I would, I can't say anything better about him. He was a really, really good person to, to follow for sure. Yeah, definitely sounds like somebody who uh, I, I wish I'd had the opportunity to meet um, one day. I, I did have the, the opportunity to talk um, sort of in passing to Bobby Allison on the phone early days of, of my podcast a couple of years ago. Um, and it was a kind of situation where he was out at a racetrack and still was, you know, so there was cars getting ready to practice and stuff, but he was still trying to make sure he had the time to to talk to me, talk to me and a couple of my, my friends as well. And, you know, Give him credit, man. I, if if yeah. you're at a racetrack, man, I would have just packed up and said, "Nah, I can't give these guys any time. They'll have to talk to them later." But you know, he, he you can tell that Davy Allison came from from good people, you know. So, oh, um, yeah. definitely wish I'd had the chance to to meet him. Okay, you would have really liked Davy a lot. I mean, he was just an incredibly genuine person. Whether he had been a race car driver or any any profession he he chose, he he was a superstar in the sport. But he would have never treated anyone better than the best he, he was just a very very genuine person all the way around i loved him dearly he was a great friend absolutely well uh definitely a, a somber occasion for this episode but mm-hmm. i really enjoyed this conversation and i, I hope uh, everyone listening enjoyed as well um thank you so much for sharing those stories ben uh, i really appreciate sure. it and i'm sure the listeners sure. did too well thank you very kindly for Allowing us to d- dedicate today to Davey and just remember the smile and remember what a what a great man he was. And that's what we got. We got lots and lots of great memories of him. And that's what we can certainly remember about him. Great memories. Great stuff. Great stuff as always. Well, uh, we'll be back here again next week with episode 24 of the A Lifetime in NASCAR podcast. But uh, on behalf of myself, Eric Estep, and uh, NASCAR historian Ben White, Thank you all so much for listening, and be sure to check out the other shows on the Out of the Groove Podcast Network, like the NASCAR Weekly Podcast and Noah Talks NASCAR, and be sure to check out Uncle Ben's Lunchroom, a recent uh, video on my channel. Uh, Can't wait to visit again sometime, Ben, and see what other treasures you've added to the collection.
Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.